Hey, hey, what's up, guys? It's Jordan with the Laundromat Resource Podcast. This is show 140, and I'm pumped you're here today because today's episode marks the beginning of the new year, 2024. At least that's when this is coming out. You may be listening to it some other time. That's when this is coming out, and New Year's is always a good opportunity to reflect on how far you've come and to celebrate that and to look ahead to where it is that you're trying to go. And if you are here, chances are likely that you're either trying to buy your first laundromat or consider considering buying your first laundromat, um, or you're trying to level up your laundromat business. So uh, welcome, super pumped you're here, and thank you for allowing me to be a part of that journey uh, of achieving your goals, whatever they might be uh, this year. So super excited you're here. In fact, in order to try to help you do that, we have got uh, for a little while here, we have got uh, our course on how to buy your first laundromat 90 days is on mega sales. So check the link in the show notes, which is at laundromatresource.com slash show 140. Um, or if you're on YouTube, you can check down below in the description and you can get a link to go uh, snag that course comes with all the information you need to get in to your first laundromat to buy that first laundromat the right way the first time and it comes with all the tools and resources you need and unlimited use of those tools so super big bargain and on sale right now so go check that out um, the other little bit of exciting news i want to celebrate is finally laundromatresource.com has gotten a makeover. Uh, we've had the website professionally built. I know a lot of you guys have had some, well, me especially, um, and some of you guys too have had some frustrations with that site not being super intuitive or or operating a little clunky. And I finally had enough and I've had people working on uh, building a new site and it's pretty awesome. I love it. So much more intuitive. So go check it out, laundromatresource.com and explore around over there. Uh, super excited about that. And, uh, yeah, really excited, but I'm also very excited that, uh, we have Dave laundromat millionaire men's back on the show. He and I, uh, always get to have a good time when we get together. However, uh, fair warning on this one, we're going to talk about Dave's 9,000 square foot laundromat space, which is awesome. And his build out, uh, super cool to hear all those details, um, but then we get into something that's uh, a little heavier, a little more controversial, and in my opinion, a long overdue conversation uh, that needs to happen uh, industry-wise. And uh, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, create some feelings in certain people. And listen, this conversation is one I think I've I've alluded to. I've had some. Uh, shorter conversations on this, um, but Dave and I really dig into this and would love to hear your feedback on that. So feel free to reach out uh, to me or hop on the forums, laundromatresource.com slash forums and continue that discussion because I think this discussion needs to continue. And one of the main takeaways uh, from this podcast episode is that if there are things that we feel like as laundromat owners or coming into the industry need to change in this industry, we are the ones that need to do it. Nobody is doing that for us. So we have got to drive the changes we want to see in this industry. So that's the conversation. I hope you enjoy it or at least uh, engage with it or it's thought provoking for you. And again, I'd love to hear what you think. Head over to the forums, laundromatresource.com slash forums. We'll have a specific forum post where we can interact uh, with that or feel free to start your own um, or uh, hit me up some other way. All right, 
Enjoy this episode with Dave Laundromat Millionaire Men's. David Laundromat Millionaire Men's. How the heck are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. Actually, I've never even thought of this. Is your is your full name David? Legally, it actually is David. I've I literally never. I've never heard, I've never heard that. You. I haven't heard that in 15 years. But <laughs> legally, David. it is David. Dave's what I go by, but I don't. I don't take it personally. What, call came, me whatever you want. It came out and it felt unnatural. <laughs> as soon as you said know. it, I was like, "Whoa." Yeah, that sounds awful. I thought you like, were going to use my trouble? middle name. That's right. Well, if I knew, I, I kind of did. Laundromat Millionaire is your middle name, right? That's true. That yeah. Uh, <laughs> if I self-appointed. knew it, self-appointed. I, I would, I would do it, man. <laughs> hey, man, thanks for uh, coming back on the show. It has been a long time, actually. It's hard. It's hard to believe. Yeah, it feels like not that long because we do live Q and As every now and yeah. then, and so that feels. But that, but it's different. Totally different. This is definitely different. Uh, so thanks for coming back on, man. Taking yeah, the time, man. Appreciate the opportunity. There's nowhere Looking I'd rather forward. be than hanging out with you and talking to you. If we can't, you know, since since you live in a different time zone, if we can't do it uh, in person, then uh, we'll yeah. we'll just keep doing it virtually. But no one I'd rather hang out with in the industry than you. Um, you know what else so is appreciate? Thank you. Likewise, and all of you listening, we'd rather yes, hang I mean, out. With obviously, all we of love you guys, guys too. too. Don't yes. get this wrong. Uh, I don't know why this has never happened, but. 2024 is the year that I'm hopping on a plane and coming to Cincinnati to, to visit you in person. Let's do it, man. Might be a little anticlimactic. We don't have the ocean. We don't have really anything cool. Oh, but well, I mean, we have all all four seasons. I take all that back then. I know. Uh, I mean, so, you can go swimming in the Ohio awkward. River if you want your reg, leg to rot, rot off. <laughs> I, I don't want my leg to rot off. I don't off, no. recommend swimming in the Ohio River. Okay. <laughs> it is pretty okay. to look at, though. <laughs> this is you're, – you're really hyping this up. This I know. I, there, hey, so. <laughs> what it really boils down to is I don't want any competition. I, I, okay. <laughs> full disclosure, I have a scarcity mindset, and I, uh, I don't yeah. want anyone to know how great Cincinnati is. <laughs> Dave – to the T. I like that. Yes. Uh, also, Orange County, California, not cool. Don't, Don't come cool. here. Don't come there. Uh, our beaches are... I hear, the, I hear the views are terrible. The views are bad. The beaches are... I told you, didn't I, when I went to... San, me and Carla went to San Diego. This is how uncultured I am. We go to San Diego. We go down and spend a few days at the beach. I didn't realize the water's always cold there. I'm like... Oh yeah, well, California it's never warm. Like you, so when do you swim? And some lady looked at me. I was so embarrassed. I was like, "So when do you get in the water?" And she goes, "All year." And I'm like, "What is it always like this?" And she was like, "Yeah, we're just tough." And I was like, "Oh, I just yeah. got owned by an old lady." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I took two, literally took two steps. It wasn't even up to my ankle, and I started crying like a little baby. I was like, no, "There's no I, way I'll get in that water." Uh, I hate cold water and you know, if there's one, oh, okay. I was going to say there's one thing I changed about California. If there's one thing scenically or naturally I would change about California be Hawaii temperature waters. That would yeah. be, that well, would that's be, when I'm a little spoiled. Cause I mean, we go on vacation, we love the beach. We tend to go to Florida in the summer and in early fall, late summer is what they call yeah. it. And it's warm as can be. Sometimes the ocean's so warm, it's not even refreshing. Right. And then we go to like the Carolinas, South North Carolina, places like that. Same, t- you know, in this, you know, July, August. And the, I mean, the beaches are, I mean, it's literally like bathwater a lot of times. And I was like, it's always this cold. Are it's cold me? here. Here I thought yeah. San Diego was like paradise. And I mean, it was beautiful. It, it is. Was, we had a great time, but, but the water was cold. like, I would never get in this water. Never. 
Yeah. <laughs> so you're not a cold really plunge cold. guy. You haven't jumped on the cold plunge no. bandwagon. No, yet. I don't. I don't think I could do it. I'm too big of a sissy. Uh, no. I'm guessing <laughs> you do that either. on a regular basis. I roll. No, I roll no. in groups that are like obsessed with the cold I know plunge. They are. I just. Yeah. I I probably should like because I'm doing a lot of training right now. Training I for know another they say Ironman. It's really good for you. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm training for a, a long, real long run, and I. I probably should, but I just, I don't like cold water. Yeah. No, me neither. It's one of my least favorite things. I get, in the, right. I'm such a sissy. I get in the shower. I turn on the shower and I stand outside the shower. Oh, and me I let too. it run. And I mean, it yeah. can't be warm. It has to be hot. No, if it's it. not steaming, I'm no. not getting in it. Yep. Yeah. That's how I am. That's right. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. It, it almost burns my skin off. It's so hot. That's how I take yeah. my showers. Then it's hard so to get out. I guess I'm on the other too. extreme. That's the other, that's the other part. Yeah, it's hard to get out after. It is. Like, well, I just want to stay here. Just sit there and let it rub, rub on your back. I feel like I feel like people are learning a little bit too much about us right too now. Too much. So uh, now they know my listen. real legal name. Now we're yeah, in. that's right. <laughs> that's right. Giving away <laughs> they too much. They never would have guessed my name was David. Uh, if there's if there's any <laughs> mental image that people need right now, it's of us taking hot showers. That's no. Uh, no. that's what. Especially you after for. I shared my picture of you in the speedo at the uh, Millionaire <laughs> Conference. Right. That's right. <laughs> that Thank will you live by on the social way. media forever. <laughs> yeah, thank you by the way of uh for for that speedo. Uh I yes. appreciate that. Absolutely. Um you know who else thanks you? All the ladies in California all here. The they all ladies. thank you also. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get, we need to take an abrupt left cuz we yes. have not started Holy off on cow. a good foot here. You're going to uh, I can tell you 10 minutes in you're going to get all kinds of nasty grams for people. Just get into the show. Yeah. Oh no, I always long. get those comments anyways because I'm too <laughs> long-winded. I have to do a real short intro here because this is uh, this is bad. This is and, David uh, Water Bat Millionaire Beds. Go. There's probably zero people <laughs> listening to this at this point in time. That's true. We probably um, lost them. Okay. So last time you were on, I think you were. I mean, there was a lot going on last time you were on. But one of the big things was you were like, uh, like neck deep in construction on your new, mm-hmm. uh, on your new laundromat. I know you. It, by the way. In case you don't know, this is Dave Laundromat Millionaire Men's, and he's got his own podcast, so you need to go check that out. Go subscribe to that, his own YouTube, all the social medias, laundromatmillionaire.com. Links to all that will be in the show notes, or if you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, and then go down to the description for all those links. Uh, so you can connect up with Dave. A lot of really great stuff in the laundromat space uh, happening on his platform, too, uh, and including information about all this stuff, but just you know, in case people don't know, and uh, I'd like to just hear kind of more of the story too. Can you tell us a little bit about the process of building out a store? What did you buy and what did you do with it? And how did it all turn out and all that jazz? Yeah. So let's dig in because hopefully there's some things in here that'll help some people. <clears throat> so full disclosure, I've been in the laundromat business since 2010. When we started in the industry, I didn't have much money. If you're not familiar with my story, a lot of sweat equity, took a lot of years of blood, sweat, tears to even build any substantial cash flow, honestly. Um, you know, a few years ago, got the other side of the rainbow, so to speak, and had a pretty good net worth, pretty substantial pickup and delivery business, and had a unique opportunity to build kind of my dream laundromat here in Cincinnati. If you don't know Cincinnati, we're not a huge market, so we're not in the Chicago or L.A.s and New York's of the world where you can just turn twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 a week. Um, and self-serve, which you can in a lot of markets, or not a lot, a few markets. Um, but but that's not really a thing here in Cincinnati. And then we're in the suburbs. Um, so we're, you know, not even in the most densely par- populated part of Cincinnati. And I had a unique opportunity. I had four stores and a property became available. And the property owner called me, I actually lease another building from him. 
he called me and he wanted to lease this building to me and he wanted me to it was a hot mess he wanted me to completely renovate it and it, renovate it and it used to be a small laundromat a small dry cleaner and a small alter, alteration place um, and then it even has a four bay self-serve car wash off to the side of it and it was closed all the businesses had, had went under he owned the building they stopped paying rent they kind of walked away and he wanted me to take over like i did his other building and fix it up and make it nice and while the first time I did that, it was a profitable business, I learned that um, I would be a lot smarter just buy the building myself and then fix up my own building versus fix up somebody else's building. And so it was a, a very big lifelong dream kind of project. I call it my superstore, but it's a 9,000 square foot space. Uh, but it was over a $2 million project. So the quick version of it is we bought the real estate uh, incredibly cheap for $660,000. Um, and he, the property owner, it was paid for. I worked it out with him, uh, convinced him I was going to have trouble getting a loan, a mortgage, uh, because it was a dry cleaner. So I negotiated over about six months with him, got him to do the phase one and phase two. Uh, if you don't know what that is, I guess we could talk about that, but, uh, get the environmental cleanups done from the dry cleaning, um, plant. I got him to take all the equipment out of it, uh, which saved me a ton of money on demo and things like that. And then on top of that, I convinced him I was going to have trouble getting a mortgage, what I do, which I do believe was, was true, uh, that I was going to have trouble getting a mortgage on it because it was a dry cleaner that he had just cleaned up recently. And uh, so I convinced him to finance the building for me. Uh, 5%, $5,000 down, 30-year fixed rate mortgage. I know. I'll just pause for a Dude. minute while we enjoy that. <laughs> $5,000 down? 5000 down on a $650,000 property. Yeah. So very so that's the beginning and I don't I don't say that to brag. I, I actually kind of say that a little bit too. I you know, I believe in being very transparent with my story and I want people to know that while, you know, these things aren't common, I don't want to suggest that. They are out there. Now, he didn't offer this. I had to negotiate for this. So we had to work for this over months and months and and I, I'm not the type that, you know, runs business manipulatively or anything like that. So I was genuinely interested in him winning, too. He's a he's an older gentleman, pretty independently wealthy, really didn't care about the money. He just didn't want the problem. He didn't want the, the albatross that was around his neck. And so I positioned the project in a way that was a win for me long term and that was a win for him. And he knows, you know, he, I, he rents another property to me. He knows that we do pretty well financially now. We know this industry really well. So he knew there was little to no risk of, uh, you know, giving us a mortgage and things like that. And I basically just took it off, took the whole problem off his plate. And, you know, he's, I think he's in his seventies. Uh, great guy, by the way, we've become really good friends and stuff. And, um, you know, he really didn't need the money. He was more looking to set up the next generation. And so he, he was like, yeah, this is a win for me. I mean, they can just collect mailbox money, his daughters can just collect mailbox money for the next, you know, however long I live, and I'll collect it, and then they'll get it for the rest of the time, and they don't ever have to do anything. Um, and he knew that the building was in pretty bad state of disrepair. He knew, based on my experience, that I was going to fix it up and make it really nice, and I showed him my pro forma and my business plan of what I was going to do, that I was going to spend another, you know, $1.7 million on his building, basically, uh, that he had a mortgage for, his collateral. Um, and the flip side of that real quick conversation from a real estate perspective was we fixed up the laundromat. We can talk about that whole project. Um, but the other side of the real estate transaction is by the time we opened the property, two months after we opened, we had the property appraised at 1.1. 1 .1. 
And so he has collateral that's now worth 1.1 that he has a mortgage on of $655,000. Actually didn't say this, but I actually got him to do interest only the first three years, um, which gave me a lot of runway. And I I talk about in my coaching calls and things like that all the time, one of the most important things we can do is have capital reserved in the longest runway possible. Because most businesses, if they do fail, they don't fail because they wouldn't have ever been successful. A lot of times they fail because they didn't have enough runway. They didn't have enough capital. And I was fine in that area, but I just knew you can't really have too much. And so that was that's kind of the, the real estate side of things. I don't know if you want to dissect that before we get into the laundromat side. But that's the quick version to how we got what at the time was our fifth laundromat. And our first laundromat, which had kind of become sort of the stepchild, it wasn't as nice or as profitable as the other three, uh, was about two miles away. But it was on, not literally, but figuratively, it was on the other side of the train tracks, the other side of Amelia, Ohio, kind of on the bad side that nobody wants to go to. And I had owned that store for 13 years, and I had done a lot of marketing, fixed it up, made it really nice. And one thing I could never do is convince people to go from the bad side of town to the good side of town. They just didn't matter how much money I spent, how much I nice, how nice I made it, they wouldn't go over there. So we had a profitable business, but I knew that this was the opposite and that people from the bad side of town would easily want to come to the good side of town. And so I bought this property, built a couple million dollar laundromat there, uh, made it really nice, and then simultaneously closed down our first store, which was my baby originally, that I kind of broke, cut my teeth in the industry on. And so I always joke with people that we went from four to five to four laundromats in two days. Um, So that's the that's the kind of the quick version um, of at least the real estate side of things and strategically why we did what we did. Yeah, well, just real quick, not to go into the real estate deal too much, but, you know, what you're talking about is. I mean, it's sort of like this uh, mythical unicorn of real estate investing. Mm-hmm. Everybody's looking for the seller finance deal, the yep. little to no money down deal. And like you said, it's not super common, but it's out there, right? It you got to find the right yep. person in the right situation, and you've got to figure out a way to make it work for you and for them. And you can you can find those deals. But the reason I wanted to come back to it is because that's not limited to only real estate, right? If you're buying a laundromat, the same thing can be true. You can get the seller finance. Again, it's not everywhere. You're not going to find the best deal every time some seller finance is offered, Uh, but the right situations are out there. And the only way you find these deals is by being out there, by meeting people. You know, this was somebody you already had a relationship with, right? A landlord of your other laundromat. You can't sit behind a computer and browse online and expect to find these deals. Uh, You have to be out there meeting people, meeting brokers, meeting owners, getting the word out about what you're looking for. And that's when opportunities present themselves. So I just know, you know, for me, I spent a lot of time waiting for like looking for things. And I have this, I have this sort of uh, philosophy, anything, that you can do at home sitting on the couch in your underwear is is probably not going to you know land a big opportunity in your lap right mm-hmm. so if you're you know literally or figure, this is like we're talking about showering we're talking about speedos i'm in the underwear now like this is a very risque episode already uh you know that's how we roll yeah uh but you know that's probably not how opportunities are going to find it. you have to get out there and and meet people. You have to get out there and take some action. You have to get out there and 
and network and let people know what you're trying to do so that, you know, when opportunities come up, people are thinking of you because you've let them know you've met them, you've built the relationships with them. So um, I just want to point that out because I, I think people are going to hear that and be like, dude, he got so lucky and mm-hmm. you kind of did all the time. Yeah. Uh, but you also made, you, you made the, the luck happen, right? By having the relationship and by doing all the work of the other four laundromats beforehand. Mm-hmm. And then also by negotiating for six months, you know, on this deal. So it's, it doesn't just happen. It's not going to fall in your lap, no. you know, spoiler alert for anybody out there. It's just not going to fall in your lap. Well, and so. I'll point out one other thing, Jordan, <laughs> I'll be, you know, full disclosure on this. A big part of the reason this happened is because I had already been in the laundromat business for 12, I guess, 12 years at this point, and I already had a relationship, and every laundromat that I had taken over in the prior 12 years, I had taken from a pretty bad state of disrepair, uh, varying levels, and made them some of the nicest, probably the nicest laundromats on the east side of Cincinnati. They weren't perfect. Um, But so, you know, this involved a lot of trust on his part and it, it it came from 12 years of work so one i don't want to suggest that if you're a newbie you can't do this but i want to be very clear that it's much much harder to do if you're new uh financing companies will give me 100 percent financing on pretty much anything especially equipment uh, in this industry now um, even if the math doesn't really work out they'll still give it to me why because i've earned their trust i've never been late on a payment i've borrowed probably $5 million at this point, um, and paid all of it back on time with interest. So sometimes we have to crawl before we walk. Now, I don't want to suggest that those deals are only there for us veterans, because that's not true, but they are more prominent. But the reason that some of those deals come our way, uh, the reason he wanted to work with me on another project is because of the results from the previous project in another one of his buildings. And so Sometimes I, I tell people coaching calls all the time. Sometimes we have to stair step this. You know, sometimes we make things sound easy. And for me, it, it honestly kind of was that easy. I mean, we did negotiate. I didn't just give in. It did take five or six months to get the deal closed. Uh, he didn't give in just overnight. But the other side of the equation is I had been working for 12 years to build trust with him. So even though I had a conversation and let that conversation marinate for two weeks, and then he came back and gave in, he did that because of the previous work I'd done for 12 years. So he recognized that I knew how to run a laundromat, that I was a you know prominent person in the community that people respected. My dad's a former mayor of Amelia. I mean, all these things factor in. So we talk about all the time collaboration and reputation and integrity and character and work ethic and all these things. I couldn't have pulled that project off when I was a newbie. Um, doesn't mean you can't pull off similar projects, but I couldn't have pulled that one off. So I don't want it to sound like kind of a pipe dream, too good to be true. It was a result of 12 years worth of work that gave me the opportunity to do more work and at a better level. And obviously now he would, you know, probably, we don't, I don't think he has other, any other properties, but he would prop now that he's seen what I've turned this into, this was kind of the holy grail for both him and me. So maybe there's some inspiration in there. Maybe it helps a few people. Um, it wasn't a perfect situation. I probably made it sound easier than it was. I've gotten pretty good at negotiating over the years. And, uh, and by the way, I own four laundromats in Cincinnati, Ohio right now. But if I wanted to, um, I probably could own close to 25. Um, I've been intentionally kind of picky and choosy. Um, there's been deals I could have done that would have made me money, but wouldn't have been worth my time um, in the long run. And I've turned down those deals. Sometimes being patient and waiting for the right opportunities to pounce 
is, uh, is a skill in and of itself that I'm always not very good at. I'm not a real patient person, but I've always said, if I'm gonna do this, I wanna do it at a high level. I wanna be really successful. I wanna serve the community, but I wanna do it in a way um, that I can operate um, at a high level. And if you take over a, a mediocre location or a market that's somewhat saturated but not oversaturated, I wanted those undersaturated markets. I wanted those opportunities where I could go full bore and not have to question the risk and the ROI associated with that. So these all come, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but these all come kind of full circle. So maybe there's some you know lessons in there for people. If you are a newbie, these things are going to be harder, but you have to start somewhere. So start with the opportunities you have as I just talked about that first store that I had, it was worth me doing 12 years ago. And at the end of the lease, I literally just closed it down. I, I just, you know, there was, there was a bunch of used equipment in there that was paid for. I took it all out and sold it for pennies on the dollar to my distributor and traded it in on the equipment of the new store. Like I could have sold that location for more than the equipment was worth, but I wanted to keep five laundromats in that, in that, uh, in that market. So I don't know if that's helpful to anyone, but that's a, that's a big part of the beginning of that story, I guess I would say. Yeah. And one other thing I just wanted to kind of bring up, I mean, while we're on the subject of helping people either get in the business or, or, you know, improve your business or grow your portfolio, the, the thing that gets overlooked a lot, uh, especially in these scenarios where somebody gets, you know, quote unquote lucky is, it's more about who you've become as a person and who you're becoming as a person than anything else, really. Because, you know, even, you know, yes, you had the tangible like laundromats to point to to say, look, I've had this success or here's what I've done before. But those were as a result of Dave, who was, you know, the linemen on, you know, up on the, on the power lines who was working a nine to five with the dream, but who hadn't done anything about it yet to Dave who scrimped and saved to buy his first laundromat off Craigslist. And to, you know, to Dave who, who built that into this little empire that you have, right? Like mm -hmm. in, in that whole process has been shaping you and molding you along with you know, I know, I know you, right. So I know that you're a perpetual learner, right. You're always looking to learn more. You are never assuming, you know, everything you're always talking to other people and, and learning from other people, even if they have less experience or they're less, you know, quote unquote successful than you, you're, you're always trying to learn and give. Um, uh, but you know, that's something that I, I think I, I just don't want to gloss over that. Right. Because yeah. who you're who you are and who you're becoming is it's paramount to these opportunities. Cause you know, Dave, who was up on the power lines, the same opportunity comes to you. You're, you're not the, you're not the person to be able to pull this off. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not 100%. just a financial thing. It's, it's all of it, right? It's the confidence, it's the ability, it's the skill, it's, you know, all, all of that. And you even said like, I've become a pretty good negotiator. Well, guess what? You weren't mm -hmm. born a good negotiator. That's You've, right. You've had to hone that skill, right? And all these other skills that stack on top of each other to turn you into Dave the Laundromat, David the Laundromat Millionaire Men's. Um, I can't do it. It's got to stay Dave. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and so I just don't want to overlook that, right? Like, and this is something that, you know, I am reflecting on for myself. And I think we all should reflect on periodically of like, 
okay, who am I and who am I becoming? And is that person that I'm becoming, the, the path that I'm on right now, is that person I'm becoming the right person to have the dreams that I have come to fruition, come to reality? Am I that right person? And if the answer is no, right now, if somebody dropped in, here's, here's everything you dreamed of in your life and put it in front of me, am I the person to, to take it and run with it? right now. And if the answer is no, then, you know, then the question is, okay, what do I need to do to become that person? And probably it's a combination of learning proactively and, uh, and, and going out and doing stuff and gaining experience and gaining knowledge and gaining skill, uh, there. So I didn't want to gloss over that. Yeah. I call that, you know, I'll leave it at this. I call that process, patient ambition. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's two different words that you don't often hear together. Um, but patient ambition, you know, I couldn't have accomplished the things I'm accomplishing today if I hadn't went through the things I accomplished in the past. If I wasn't patiently ambitious, I probably wouldn't have accomplished the things I've accomplished in the past because, quite frankly, some of them weren't that impressive. They were okay. I mean, they were they were cash flow positive. They were profitable. They brought an ROI. But I guess the reason I kind of bring out the story in that point to share it in that light is I just, you know, you have a lot of followers on the platform. We have some followers on ours nowadays. And at the end of the day, I want people to understand that while the content that we put out and the guests that we share and bring on our shows and things like that, hopefully we all inspire each other. Like it's, it it can really be, it can be almost anti-inspiring if you try to compare yourself to, like, I wouldn't want to compare myself today to the 10 year, you know, 10 years ago, Dave Mentz let alone someone else who's maybe had other advantages, disadvantages in life, whatever. So I just want to throw that out there that, I, you know, be, be ambitious, but be patient about it because great things do take time. And don't compare yourself to me today. Don't compare yourself to me five years ago. And I don't do the same with myself. Because um, I think sometimes we put this content out, we have guests on and things like that. And then I, I'm sure you do, but I talk to clients all the time and they tell me, you know, you know, a year or two in, they're frustrated. And it's like, it took me 15 years. Did you really think that it would take you one? Like they give, we get, we give up too quickly. And I've been guilty of that too. So mm-hmm. I guess the point, the thing, point I want to make on the real estate side of things is this transaction, this opportunity happened as a result of almost everything I had done prior to that in my life. Um, including even my dad in some ways, because he has his own, you know, he's passed away now, but uh, he was the mayor of Amelia and, and always operated with, a tremendous amount of character and integrity. And, you know, he was a man of faith who tried to give to the community. And, and there's no doubt that I have benefited, maybe not with this deal, but with some of the things I've done in the industry, um, in the community, in some ways, I've probably benefited directly and indirectly from, from his reputation, just having the same last name and kind of looking similar to him. So I think these things, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta travel our own journey, but we gotta be patient with ourselves while always pushing ourselves. I'll just leave it, leave it there for now. Yeah, no, I love that. And, you know, and, and to, you know, we keep, okay, last thing, last thing, but probably <laughs> last thing, maybe, uh, you know, I, I, I get a lot of like newer owners who are like, uh, you know, I've thought about coming on the podcast, but I don't really have anything to share. And, and one of the things I say to newer owners who are like interested in coming on the podcast or just sharing and even like a Facebook group or a forum or something like that mm-hmm. is, you know, it's easy to see somebody like you or, you know, some of the other guests who are, you know, far along the journey and are doing well and 
have a lot of laundromats or a lot of success. Um, and, and it's good to hear from people like you guys, uh, and, and to hear kind of what's possible and what the journey looks like, what it takes to get there, all of that stuff. But a lot of people who are getting in the business are like, Oh my gosh, I can, I can never get, you know, five laundromats or, Oh my gosh, I could never be a laundromat millionaire or, you know, or whatever. Right. And, and that sort of patient ambition, right. Is kind of, kind of bringing it back around to the people who are like relatively new in the industry, maybe a year or two. Well, sometimes, you know, sharing, sharing your story, sharing what you have learned in, in the year or two or six months or whatever that you've been in the business is more relatable to somebody because you're one, maybe two steps ahead of somebody who's looking to buy their first laundromat. Right. And totally so agree. it, there, there's a lot of value in that too. And it, I mean, it, I, it just kind of goes back to that com- comparison thing, right? Comparison is the thief of joy. And, uh, you know, really what we should be doing is comparing our current self to our, our past self. Are we growing? Are we learning? Are we becoming who we want to be? Uh, become and you know if if you go out and you have a ton of success because you're just killing it in your laundromats I can celebrate that and not be jealous about that if I'm not there yet because yesterday I was a lesser version of the person I am today and that's Mm -hmm. a big success for me right and what that looks like for everybody is different so yeah for sure not to get too self-helpy but I guess we got pretty (laughs) self-helpy yeah, it's, it's true. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you got this smoking deal on the real estate with seller financing, you jerk. And, uh, you, you built out this laundromat essentially from scratch, right? Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that process, what that was like? Yeah. So the property's almost two acres. Um, it has a four bay self-serve car wash on it, which still kind of sits there where we're actually thinking about getting in the car wash business right now. So it's sat there empty, not doing anything. For two years, the building itself that's attached to the car wash was, is 9,000 square feet. So it was broken up into a kind of a third, third, a third. Uh, it was a third laundromat. So it was a uh, relatively small, but I mean, I know 3,000 square foot isn't small to some people. Laundromat, uh, very bad shape, had 20-something-year-old top loaders with plastic tubs. So to give you an idea, they weren't even high-quality top loaders. Nice. <laughs> uh, they were over 20 years old. They were vending for a dollar and a quarter. Uh, which this is two years ago. <laughs> so you kind of like wonder why they went out of business. Probably a lot of reasons. They had five over 40-year-old Milners in the back that were still technically running. They were vending at $4. Uh, these How did you get those out? Because if there's anything I know about Milners, those suckers are tanks. They it was like tanks. a chore. I had to take yeah. Milners out of my first laundromat. It was uh-huh. like a chore to get those things out there. So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, luckily, we were doing a lot of other demo, and the place was closed. So, I mean, we literally took out a window, and we had three bobcats in there. Um, yeah. So we didn't have Dude. any problems getting them out. <laughs> uh, but we were we were doing demo of pretty much anything that wasn't load-bearing and actually a few walls that were load-bearing. Uh, but to give you a kind of a glimpse, it was a third laundromat, so kind of a long and narrow, dark, nasty, unprofitable laundromat. Then the third was kind of a storage space. It had an up-down conveyor for the dry-cleaning storage. Um, it had an alteration place in it. It had a bunch of old offices that they didn't even use that had the wood paneling on the walls and things like that. And then the far right third of the building was on the other side of a load-bearing wall, and that was the dry-cleaning plant. So that was what had all the dry-cleaning equipment in it and, you know, as recently as a year earlier had been running and leaking perk onto the ground. Um, luckily, not a lot. 
But when we took over the building, that was a completely empty shell. Um, they had done the phase one and the phase two cleanup of that. Uh, we had kind of had a quote-unquote clean bill of health um, other than some light fumes uh, when we took over the space. And we gutted that. We spent, you know, I think about $25,000 in about three weeks gutting everything in there down to the studs. Uh, we literally removed all, not all, but most of the plumbing. Um, we, we took out even the four-inch drains, cut up the floors, put six-inch drains in, uh, all new bulkheads, all new electric panels. We did reuse some of the gas lines and some of the vents, um, the loop that was there for the dryers, uh, reuse some, you know, some of the things we could, but for the most part, everything in there, plumbing, electric, the whole nine yards, uh, we got it down to the studs. Now, full disclosure, when I did this project, I was 44, uh, plan on being in this business till the day I die. If I ever downsize and only own one laundromat, this will probably be the one that I keep. Um, and, uh, if my children someday end up in the business, this, you know, I was, I was doing this as a, a multi-generational thing, uh, whether it's for me, an investment for me and my family, or just an investment in whoever buys it for me. If my children don't take over the business, I always said, well, we'll own the property and whoever we t sell this business to, we want them to pay us rent. We want them to be profitable, right? So we were, it was, all of that was kind of, it was a 30 year investment, if not a 50 year investment, maybe. Um, so that was why we went as deep as we could. You know, we, we did spend a lot of our own cash and, and leverage, borrow a lot of money to do the project. But if there's one lesson I, I hope people get out of the laundromat side of things, um, and I'll talk a little bit more about the equipment and stuff like that in a second. Um, I'll actually, I'll, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you the address. So the address is 1310 West Ohio Pike, Amelia, Ohio, 45102. For those of you that know anything about the laundromat industry, pull the demographics for that address. And then read the demographics, because I know there's a lot of veterans that watch this show. Read the demographics and then understand that I paid $2.2 million to build this laundromat. When you put those two things together, you will laugh. You will think I'm the biggest fool on planet Earth, okay? Because the demographics do not support probably a million-dollar laundromat if you're only looking at the data. Now, I'm a data guy. I like data. I like the numbers. That's important to, to research. Now, how is this a profitable business? And, and I will share that this, this store now generates not even two years, uh, over $150,000 a month in revenue at about 35% margins. I don't mind sharing that. The reason I'm sharing that is I'm hoping it helps some people out there. I'm not in the biggest market. I'm about 30 minutes outside of Cincinnati. Demographics are important, but they're not the be-all, end-all the way they used to be. Now, why is that? Well, because of what we're now we're going to talk about, which is the type of business that I run there, which is what we now know in the industry as a full-service laundry center. So about 20% of our revenue in the store comes from self-serve. And when we look at the demographics of a self-serve laundromat, um, the numbers would correlate with the revenue that we generate out of the store for self-serve revenue only. And if this were only a self-serve laundromat, it would not be anywhere near profitable or viable. But it's because of the drop-off laundry that we do and the drop-off dry cleaning that we do and even the vending and the games that we do. Uh, and we tr attract a lot of families because we built a big 20 by 25 kids area um, in, in, this, in the facility. And we do a substantial amount of pickup and delivery there. And it's even grown in the year and a half, two years we've had it open. But we had spent the prior six or seven years building a substantial pickup and delivery business in another store of ours that we had outgrown. And we were at capacity. And we were going to have to either build a separate plant 
or do something differently. And we were able to move all that business over to this new facility. Um, and now we could probably, out of this one facility that we built over the next five years, we expect to triple the amount of pickup and delivery that we're doing out of that space. Um, that's why the investment makes sense. And so I guess I guess what I want to point out there is, yeah, we spent you know eight nine hundred thousand dollars on equipment. We probably spent three or four hundred thousand on you know improvements to the building, probably closer to half a million. Um, but I want to point out to people that we we as an industry need to stop looking at the lens, looking at our businesses through the lens of self serve only. And I think we have we still have conversations that were same the same as we had in the industry. 20, 30, 40 years ago, which was only self-serve and maybe an ancillary amount of drop-off laundry. Um, the opportunities are immense in our industry. Our industry is uh, collectively, when it comes to self-serve, drop-off, pickup and delivery, um, our industry is expected to double, if not triple, in gross receipts if you put all those into one category in the next five to 10 years. So maybe not pickup and delivery is not for you. That's fine. I'm not here to sell you anything. But I want people to understand that there's way more opportunity. Um, and I guess projects like this maybe not look viable from afar. And for those of you that don't know, I have a podcast and have a YouTube channel and things like that. And I did kind of an eight-part series of the renovations and the improvements and even the final project of what it looks like today on our YouTube channel. You can go check that out. And the reason I wanted to be so kind of blunt and transparent about the project is because I had several people in the industry that uh, that, you know, like to try to discredit some of the work that we do at Laundromat Millionaire. And they got the address to this location. And I was pretty honest with my budget, what I paid for the project, and that we were going to spend a couple million dollars. And all of them tried to use that, the demographics, and the things that I said in my first few videos to discredit me and to prove what a fool that I was. Um, now, I don't really care about a couple people's feelings that or, or thoughts. That doesn't matter to me. But they were looking at this project and referring to me as a fool and not knowing what I'm doing, but they were looking at it through the lens of our industry 30 or 40 years ago. Now, with through their lens, they were right. I was a fool. I hope that more conversations like this and podcasts like this can share the future of the industry and what that looks like and the opportunities. Maybe the opportunity isn't for you. That's fine. But the old adage, there's more than one way to skin a cat – we, we need to stop talking about our industry through the lens of only self-serve business. Um, and when you look at it through the lens of only self-serve business, then we tend to look at it through the lens of demographics because demographics can pretty directly correlate to self-serve revenue. Um, but we don't look at this through the lens of, I'll give you another quick example, Jordan, of our self-serve revenue, less than 50% of it comes from low-income customers. So we're in a very suburbia kind of area, not wealthy, but you know, middle class, upper middle class, not a lot of poverty around that area, actually, uh, which tends to lend itself to uh, more drop-off laundry. But we built a pretty nice facility with touch screens and ozone and nice wide aisles and air conditioning and all that, you know, you can go to queencitylaundry.com and see the picture of our Amelia store, Amelia location, and you'll see that it's built differently than a lot of laundromats. Well, the re part of the reason we did that is because we're going after a different avatar. We're going after a different customer. So about 50% of our self-serve revenue comes from people that actually own washers and dryers in their homes. They have a washer and dryer, so why would they use us? They use us for things that are too big for their, for their residential washers and dryers. If their washer or their dryer breaks down, they need to use a modernized laundromat. And then the last one is um, 
if they uh, get behind on their laundry, which we're all really busy. These are all self-serve avatars. They get behind on their laundry. These avatars, these customers, these families won't hesitate to go up to the local laundromat and drop 150 bucks and catch up on two weeks worth of laundry, 10, 15 loads of laundry in four or five hours. And what they do is they buy back their whole weekend. So we need, we obviously we need to still serve the lower income urban demographic communities. Um, those are always, those will always be kind of a sweet spot for us as a self-serve laundromat, but we need to understand that our industry is shifting and I'm not just talking about self-serve. This project would be a, a monumental failure if I were only looking for people that didn't own a washer and dryer and only people that were low income. To give you an idea, that's less than 10% of the revenue that the store generates. So I know I rambled a little bit there and I'm happy to talk about touch screens or whatever you want to talk about too that we put in the store, but I'm hoping that we can, we can kind of collectively get the message out that our industry isn't changing, it has changed. And even the self-serve demographics or the self-serve avatars alone, there's four or five, six different types of self-serve avatars, one of which is low income, I don't have a washer and dryer in my home. And that's what makes this project viable. So I think we need to talk about these things more and we need to look at their, our ROI and our investment opportunities through a different lens because there's nothing unique about Cincinnati. It's Midwest town as you get, the whole metro area is roughly a million people. It's not a heavily populated area and we're even in the suburbs of Cincinnati. And yet we can generate not one, but several stores that operate like this. Um, so I think, I think that's something that we should talk about. And that's obviously this project specifically. Yeah, no, that was great. And, uh, for once I would say you spoke for a long amount of time, but you didn't ramble. So that was, (laughs) that was a big win for you. You Well, thank you. That was, that was all really good. No, seriously though. Awesome stuff. And thank you for sharing, uh, details. And you know, that's, that's something that we're not that great at, uh, in this industry too, is sharing some of those details, sharing the thought process behind, you know, why you're making the decisions you're making. Like you say, like from an outside perspective, looking in, you can, and, and you even said, like, I can see how people would think I, it was foolish and, and oh, yeah. dumb. Right. But there, uh, it, man, it is, it, one big takeaway from having this podcast and just talking with people all over the country, all over the world is that, for such a simple business, there are a lot of ways to be successful mm-hmm. in it, right? And, uh, you know, kind of like what you were saying is there's there's more, there, there are more people coming into this business every single day that are doing things like this where they are up in, up in the game here. They're up in the level of professionalism, they're up in their investment, and they're up in their profits uh, all along the way because they're able to sort of get outside of that traditional model and the people who, uh, you know, I've also seen mocking, uh, you know, people who are doing that, um, because that old model was spend as little as possible, do just enough, don't replace machines and on and on and on. Uh, don't, don't see the vision of, you know, not only can you run a more profitable business that way, but, you're doing the communities that you're in a a great service by providing Mm -hmm. them a modern, nice, clean, safe, updated laundromat. Uh, And we, I think we just need to face the facts here us as an industry, we have a reputation for a reason. And it's because Mm -hmm. 
we have not stewarded not everybody, but as, as a whole, as an industry, we have not stewarded our communities well by the mindset that we've had in this industry of let's take pride in 30, 40 year old machines. Let's take pride in how little we invest in our industry. Let's take pride in how passive we can be and still Mm -hmm. make money. That doesn't serve us well as business owners. And it definitely doesn't serve communities well, uh, either. And so I, I love what you're doing and I love that you shared the details behind what you're doing because listen, people like this is the mindset that you're competing against. Dave's not the only one thinking like mm-hmm. this. We're st- still a minority. I would probably say in the industry, Definitely. but it's sure. a growing minority that will not be the minority for very long. Uh, well, and if I could just, you're going to compete with, if I could just point something out real quick, I know I already kind of stated it, but I just want to draw attention to it. So we serve low income people that don't have washers and dryers in their homes and need to use us every week. We serve people who do have washers and dryers that maybe aren't reliable. They're older washers and dryers, and they they break down on a regular basis. We serve people who have very nice homes and have brand new washers and dryers. We serve people that have washers and dryers in their homes and middle class, upper middle class, don't want to do their laundry. So they bring their laundry to us, and we do it for them. We serve people that have professional attire because we do a drop-off or a dry cleaning, drop-off dry cleaning. We're not a plant. We have a wholesale agreement with a local dry cleaner um, who are amazing, um, and we do drop-off dry cleaning there. Then we do pickup and delivery. Uh, We do pickup and delivery in a couple different segments and drop-off. We're actually launching on January 2nd a wash-dry bag service, which I know some of you listening already have and we're very excited about. Um, It's going to be a lower-level drop-off and pickup and delivery uh, model where we don't fold and package the laundry real nicely like we do with the premium service. But think about that. We cover every segment, every person in our community within a self-serve-wise, let's call it a 5 to 10-mile radius because we're a little spread out, um, and drop-off-wise, 5 to 10-mile radius. And then pickup and delivery-wise, we cover about a 15 to 20-mile radius depending on what direction we're going. One store. Now, I know it's a 9,000-square-foot store, and that sounds really big and relative to the industry it is, but you can do the same thing too, maybe on smaller scales or maybe bigger scales for those of you that are in Texas and have these 20,000-square-foot stores and stuff mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I, I guess what I'm getting at is we this project would not be viable if we didn't serve all of those different markets and we didn't serve those different avatars. The last thing I want to point out, there's only one avatar that I just talked about that we serve that's price-sensitive, and that's the low-income people. They are price-sensitive for sure. Every other avatar we serve is not price-sensitive. They're value-sensitive. They're interested in value. So when people hear about the premium prices we charge for delivery and even for self-serve and, you know, the the hydro perfect pour system that we're installing in this new store right now, which is a significant investment and in how we're going to charge for direct injection of washing or uh, uh, of detergent and softener and things like that. And it, you may think to yourselves that your customers won't pay that. And that may be true for a portion of your industry or your segment of your society, but there is a portion that maybe you're not even capturing as avatars right now that can that you can provide that value prop to, and they will pay that. And the last thing I'll leave is just optionality. I like op- the, the term optionality, um, whether it's self-serve and we're doing extra wash and extra rinse with cycle modifiers or with this hydro perfect pour system we're installing, we're going to inject 
you know, detergent and soap, and we're going to charge for those things. Not everybody will pay for those, but it's a take it or leave it. If you don't want it, don't pay for it. If you want that convenience, pay for that convenience. Even the ozone ability and all these different things that we do with the different levels of quality and drop off and pickup and delivery and things like that. Now, you don't have to do all these things. I just want to show you that these are all opportunities to serve. People have needs in your community, and maybe you can't serve all of them. We're in this kind of perfect area where we have a really good balance of all these things. So we can serve all these people out of one facility and with one team. So when people wonder how do we build the management team we have and how do we pay them health insurance benefits and paid vacation and things like we do, uh, company car, our GM gets a company car. How do we do these things? It's because we're optimizing our business. I think that's what I want to like leave this segment with is optimizing your business. We don't need to be a one-trick pony anymore. And I don't care what market you're in. If you're a one-trick pony, you're probably dying because you're not fully optimizing your business. It might be 80% optimized, but it's not 100% optimized. So once again, I'm just I'm just here to help. I hope I hope it gives you some, I know it sounds a little braggy, but I'm genuinely here just to give people inspiration and hopefully we can marinate on these things in private conversations. Um, you know, whether you're at a conference or a coaching call with Jordan or whatever that looks like, but there's way more opportunity out here. And for, for those of you that are uh, stuck in the past in our industry and, and, you know, maybe not intentionally, but unintentionally trying to hold our industry back from not only the future, but the present, uh, the more we talk about these things, the less relevant you're going to be. So that's, that's a big part of why I do what I do. <laughs> I know that's a little blunt, but it's just the truth. We need to talk more. We need to share more. As owners, we need to collaborate more. We don't need anyone's permission to do that. Yeah. Uh, yes. Feel free no, to I, unpack I, that. I, I, <laughs> well, it's thrown me in a direction that I. Sorry. You're speechless gonna, for the first time. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not speechless. I mean, you're, you're addressing a demographic of owners that I, that I think needs to be addressed. Um, but I mean, listen, how about this? I'm going to share, I'm going to share my perspective on something that's going to be pretty controversial and it's going to rub people the wrong way. Uh, some people, but it's something I feel like needs to be said. You can comment on it or not, or share your thoughts or not after I do. Um, but you know, you're talking about these owners that are either intentionally or unintentionally holding this industry back based on their perspective. Mm. And the first thing that pops into my mind is the coin laundry association. And for me, you probably don't hear me talking about them, uh, very much. I don't bring them up, uh, ever. And the reason for the, and, and when other people do on the podcast, I don't comment on it. The reason for that. And, and I've said this to an extent, uh, a couple other times, um, semi-publicly. Uh, but you know, the, the reason that you don't hear me talking about the coin laundry association is because I don't recommend anybody who's in this industry or who's trying to get in this industry, join the coin laundry association actually. And I, and I say that because I think in its current condition, the coin laundry association is not good for laundromat owners, uh, specifically. And, and the reason there's a lot of reasons I said, some of them I can share and some of them I can't share and I will share, uh, some of them. Um, 
in fact, I think the coin laundry association as it currently is, is, is toxic to our, to, to laundromat owners. Um, and, and I say that not because I'm anti our association. I actually really want the association to succeed. I've had members of the association on the podcast and in Q and we've done Q and A's with, uh, you know, with people on the association and, and there are some great people actually on the board of the coin line association. So it's not everybody, but the coin laundry association is not a pro owner association in my view. And I'm just sharing my perspective right now. And again, if you want to comment later, you can, or you don't have to, you can sidestep this. Uh, but it is not a pro owner, uh, association and that manifests itself in a lot of different ways, but it shows, you know, the, what's the old ad? Like, follow the money, right? Follow follow mm. the money, and you'll find out where loyalties lie. And if you do yeah. that with the Coin Laundry Association, you'll find out that the CLA in its in its current condition is, I mean, it's essentially it's a marketing platform solely for manufacturers and, and other people, uh, other vendors kind of in this industry this is, is the way I see it. Um, but it, it masquerades as pro owner. And I don't like that. I don't think that that is a good thing. And a lot of the issues, other issues that I see in this industry, I think could easily be addressed by the coin laundry association. And they have, they have chosen not to address any of these issues. Just one quick example, which you've heard me talk about probably before is, uh, transparent pricing. If, if we had an MSRP on, on machines, it would solve a ton. I do, I do at least a dozen consulting calls a week, every single week, talk to people all over the country. And anytime somebody's retooling or buying a new laundromat, putting equipment in there, I say, just shoot me, shoot me real quick, your quote. And I'll, I'll let you know if they're in the ballpark of the, of the right pricing. And you would be dumbfounded at the range of prices that I receive from people who have no idea otherwise if these prices are legitimate or inflated. The the range is astronomical. It's crazy. I'm talking tens of thousands of dollars per machine sometimes. Mm-hmm. And all it would take was an MSRP from the manufacturer to let us know, okay, here's like a ballpark of what it is. The Coin Laundry Association who claims to advocate for owners, which I know I'm in a even more minority, even people who agree with a lot of how I feel about the CLA don't agree with this part. I, I, I don't think they advocate even politically in a way that really helps us that much, uh, which is what a lot of people say, okay, the coin laundry association, at least they're, they're, they're lobbying for us. Right. I'm skeptical on how much that does, but if they really want to lobby for us, lobby for us in that. Like that's an easy one. Go lobby for us with that. Just say, Hey, we're not going to take your marketing dollars unless you publish an MSRP. There you go. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that's just one example. So, so anyways, when you're addressing, uh, you're addressing people in this industry who either inadvertently or on purpose are holding back this industry. The first thing that popped into my mind is the coin laundry association. And I think that it needs to change. And again, this is not me saying down with the CLA. This is me saying CLA, you, you've got to change, uh, because you're, you're an anchor right now to our industry and you are 
perpetuating these issues. And, you know, I, I sort of have been blackballed, I guess, uh, in, in some circles in large part, because when I started the podcast, the CLA did not like that. And, and I was immediately removed from Facebook groups and forums and all, you know, all the stuff, uh, from there with no explanation. I reached out multiple times and no explanation and, and have still not been reinstated. And so a lot of times when people, you know, CLA hosts an event or something like that, and people say, you know, Hey, are you going to be at this event? You know, they had an event recently, uh, that I know you were at and a, and a part of, um, and I, a lot of people reached out and was like, Hey, am I going to get to meet you there and, and see you there? And, and I always just say, no, I'm not going to be able to make it. But the reality of it is, is that I don't go to those events partly because I'm not welcome, but also partly because even if I was welcome, I wouldn't go because I, I don't think the coin laundry association as it currently is, is good for our industry. Um, and you know, I know I'm, I'm being a little bit vague now and maybe I'll come out with some more uh, stuff. And I'm open to having a conversation with anybody who, who wants more information about that. But, uh, I just, I felt like I, I've been thinking about bringing this up for a while. And I felt like, as you were kind of talking about that, that is something that I don't hear anybody else talking about publicly. And I feel like it needs to be, I feel like it needs to be talked about uh, a little bit more. So, so I agree. <clears throat> um, so this is going to shock some people. Um, so I guess set back and pop some popcorn. Um, <clears throat> first of all, I don't think anything you said just now surprised anyone because you've, I think you've said most of that before uh, publicly. I know you've said that all to me privately at different times, and we've had numerous conversations on how can we help the CLA how can, privately. How can we help uh, collaboration bring the industry together uh, the CLA being a part of that. Um, obviously, it takes, you know, takes other people wanting to uh, wanting to work together versus work against each other. But I'm going to say something that I've never said publicly or privately other than to a couple people. Um, <clears throat> so first of all, I've, I was a member of the CLA for 14 and a half years, um, even before I owned my first laundromat. And I wasn't shy about that in my book. I uh, wasn't shy about that uh, on my podcast. I've once again had people on from the CLA, spoken at different CLA events, uh, promoted CLA events. Um, and the truth is, as I said here today, I'm no longer a member of the CLA. That's probably going to surprise some people. Um, I'll take it, I guess, a year at a time or maybe a month at a time. But uh, the truth is that I've come to the same conclusions that you just came to over the last, you know, it's taken a few years. Um, I've gotten information and uh, feedback from people. You know, when, when you know thousands of laundromat owners, you're going to have friends on every board there is. Uh, you're going to have friends on every, in every room there is. You're going to have friends on every Zoom that there is. Um, I've been very disappointed in some of the leadership at the CLA and what they've portrayed and pretended to be to me to manipulate me and my wife and my family to gain benefits from our platform. Um, and then I find out behind closed doors that I'm being talked about in a very different light, a very negative light, uh, very begrudgingly. 
Um, that's disappointing to me. I don't know that it's surprising, but it's disappointing. And I've come to the my own conclusion. We have we're different people, have different brains and different opinions. And the truth is, I've come to my own conclusion, which took me several years to come to. And I've had people forward me emails uh, that were not very nice emails written from leadership at the CLA that I've read with my own two eyes. I've had people forward video recordings and Zooms that were uh, leadership at the CLA talking about me um, and my platform and wanting to do nothing but harm to us. Um, and that was very disappointing to me. And I've always, uh, <clears throat> you know, I've always been grateful for the people and uh, th that have helped me in the beginning of my journey and always wanted to give back and always wanted the CLA to evolve and become a better version of itself tomorrow than it is today. And I've always tried to be a big part of that. And I don't claim to be perfect or anything. Um, but the truth is that this may surprise you a little bit, but I agree with everything you said. And I'm not, as we sit here today in December of 2023, heading into 2024, which I think will be a record year for Laundromat Resource. And you personally, I think it'll be a record for Laundromat Millionaire and me and Carla personally. Um, I think we need more people like us and platforms like us that are obsessively focused on operators and owners. This is our community. Um, and you don't have to be, yes, I have a, you know, a community you can join that has like a monthly membership and Jordan has his pro community, but we welcome you whether you are a part of that or not. Jordan has a free membership. Um, you don't, you don't have to give us a dollar to be a part of our community. Um, we do free Q and A's, we do all kinds of stuff and I'm not suggesting the CLA doesn't do some of those things too, but I will point out that they didn't used to do those things for free until we started doing them for free. And it's almost been reactive. So I don't want to sit here and just trash the CLA because the CLA is an organization. It's not a person, right? Uh, if you have a negative connotation associated with someone, a certain leader or a certain board member or even a group of individuals that have uh, made you feel not welcome, like they have Jordan. By the way, they've made me feel not welcome le recently. Um, and so I understand where people are coming from when they – when they're um, disenfranchised with our industry's trade organization. I think the one thing I'll say is I'll, I'll always believe that every healthy industry needs a healthy, vibrant uh, trade organization. I don't believe we have that today, which is why I'm not a, not a member anymore. Um, I will be at the events. I've, you know, we've talked about that. I'll, uh, if I can, you know, I'm, I'm guessing after making these comments, I'll never be asked to be a speaker again. Um, and I think that kind of is the point, right? Isn't that kind of the point that we can't have an open, transparent conversation around what's good for our industry and we can all win together? There doesn't have to be winners and losers, right? It's that old fixed mindset, scarcity mindset, whatever you want to call it. Um, we, don't, we don't have to pick winners and losers because what you said about following the money. You know, I don't believe the companies that sponsor events are bad people. In fact, a lot of them are my friends and a lot of them produce great products and services. But why does it have to be that someone has to win and someone has to lose? Why is it that some people have more power over our organization and influence and can squash certain ideas than others? I mean, I know it's not a democracy, right? So it's not a, you know, 
rule of law, so to speak. But why is it that whoever writes the biggest check calls the biggest shots? And whoever has the most influence is associated with the checks that they write. Now, I'm not naive. I'm not trying to live in a world of utopia, and I know you're not either. But I think what I'm saying is a very similar version to what you're saying. It's taken me a long time to get here, and it's taken you know people writing things in paper on paper that they probably sh- or digital paper, I should say that they probably shouldn't have, and them getting put f- sent to me by my friends. It's th- people saying things on Zoom calls that. Um, we're just two-faced. I'll just say it. I mean, we're just two-faced. So I've become disenfranchised with the leadership. Not all the leadership, not all board members. I have friends that are on the board and they're good people trying to do really, really good stuff. And I want to support them. And by the way, I've had these conversations with them as well. But it comes a point where you understand that there's always a trigger man or woman or group of people, you know, a core group of people, five people, maybe 10 people that are really pulling the shots. And there's other people in the room that think they're a part of the equation, but that's not really what's happening. And I always, I always compare this to like our political system. You know, if, if you think the 500 members of Congress uh, are, are, uh, <laughs> are pulling the triggers, they're not, right? They're under the delusion that they are. They're participating in the process. And there's a few people that are much more powerful than everyone else um, and unfortunately, it usually involves a lot of manipulation and things like that. And I, I think, unfortunately, uh, I don't think I know that we found ourselves in that situation here. And to those of you, including my buddy Jordan here, that have, you know, been patient with me as I advocated for the CLA and suggested that you should join and let's all be in this together and let's try to turn this around. I haven't lost hope forever, but I've lost hope temporarily. Um so I, I don't know that I'll ever lose hope because an organization is bigger and better than, than the, uh, the leaders at the top of it. But I have worked exhaustingly for four years since we launched Laundromat Millionaire and the platform exhaustively to collaborate with and work with and, and uh, bring value to the CLA. And the truth is that uh, most of the time, not publicly, but most of the time, behind closed doors, um, there's there's been a group of people that are working against me, and I now have proof of that. Am I going to share that with anybody? No, I'm not. This I didn't really. This isn't really what I want. You know, this episode to turn into. But I th- do think it's good to have a conversation around it. So, obviously, that's the conversation. Uh, you know, feel free to feel free to add to that. I, I, you know, feel free to ask questions. Um, but the truth is, I think people would be surprised to hear because of my obsessive advocacy on behalf of the CLA for 13, 14 years now that I'm no longer a member of the CLA. And I hope the day comes when uh, leadership makes different decisions and maybe different leadership makes different decisions where we can, we as laundromat owners, um, I don't know if it ever existed. I mean, I'm only 47 years old, but we can have a trade organization that cares as much about us as they do as about, about their sponsors. Um, Cause that's, that's, that really makes me sad. Um, I'm not going to give up, but I can't in goodwill, just like you said, be a member of an association that I know is working against me and wants to tear everything that I've worked really hard to build down for the benefit of all of us laundromat owners um, that the leadership is actively working to tear that down. And I know some people are probably listening to this or this will be forwarded around and I'm going to get all kinds of nasty grams and I'm going to sure I'm going to get calls from politicians who want to discuss and tell me why these things aren't true. And, 
And uh, I, I don't think we're you and I are going to gain any fans, at least on the CLA side of things, by saying this. But I'll just say it. My platform, and I know I'm on yours today, Jordan, but my platform, Laundromat Millionaire, me and Carla's, is, is all about the independent owner. It's all about the, the independent operator, us people that are running laundromats, serving communities, and we'll never be anything but that. Do we take sponsorships at times? We have. We certainly have partnerships that we work with, and maybe in the future some of you will decide not to be partners with us because of this, and if that's the case, I'm going to tell you right now, good riddance, because I'm not for sale, and I know my buddy Jordan didn't either. So we're going to keep, you know, I'm, I'm going to speak for me. I don't speak for you, but I'm going to keep doing what I think is best for laundromat owners, and let me be clear. I don't think we have to pick. I have a lot of friends that are owners of companies and CEOs of companies, good, genuine friends, who people who I really believe in, who are doing really good work in this world for laundromat owners, with laundromat owners. And and I support you guys, and I want to be a part of it, and you're not the problem. The problem is the portal. The problem is the channel and how manipulative it's become, and I'm not okay with it, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I am. So I'll leave you with this. I didn't know that this we were going to go here today, but that's okay. I'm happy to discuss it. Jordan knows things have changed for me in the last year or two, uh, probably more specifically the last year. <clears throat> but the truth is this can be fixed, um, but it's not going to be fixed until behavior changes. And behavior isn't lip service, it's actions. Yeah, okay, well... <laughs> I don't know if we All brought right. the mood down. I feel like we did. I, well, <laughs> but I feel like it 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 needs to be right. Like this is and and again, this is uh, there's there's more kind of going on here mm-hmm. uh, than you know than than we can even share. And and I know a lot of you guys listening to this have seen glimpses of this and stuff. But this is something that and Dave and I have been talking about this for a long time. And if had differing opinions, uh, you know, and Dave, Dave kind of mentioned like we're two people with two different minds. Well, we had different opinions on this until, uh, recently. And, uh, I did not mean to just bring this up, uh, on you, but it, it no, kind of came up that way. So sorry about that, but I appreciate <clears throat> you kind of sharing. I know that that was a, that's, that's difficult. You said some very difficult things to say and you know, there probably will be repercussions. There, there've been repercussions for me for that. Right. And it's, but uh, for me, I felt like I'm I'm willing to whatever the repercussions are, I'm willing to endure them because, you know, from from day one, uh, laundromat resource homepage has said for laundromat owners, by laundromat owners. This mm-hmm. is and like you said, this is a laundromat owner first mm-hmm. uh, platform, right? And and sponsorships are great. I have nothing against them, you know. We work with people too uh, over here. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not the issue. The issue, there's a lot of issues, but the issue, like you say, comes to play with how the organization is being run, how it's being led, what the priorities are, um, and and sort of this this gatekeeping uh, that they're mm. they're white knuckling onto trying to be the gatekeeper in this industry to to have the information to have the connections and the resources. And the reality of it is it's not good for owners the way the coin laundry association is operating. Uh, 
And it's, I, I mean, I just think it's going to take a change of leadership. And, and I've been saying this about other aspects of, I have other issues with our industry right now that I would love to tackle together, all of us uh, together. And, and that's been my message from the get go. Nothing in our industry changes unless we make it change. Mm-hmm. We have got to make it change. We've got to, to shape this industry into what this industry should be. What mm-hmm. this industry should be is full of owners who are cooperating with each other, who are helping each other succeed, having that abundance mindset. Dave succeeding doesn't have a negative effect on whether or not I can succeed. We need to be helping each other succeed because number one, that helps us all do better financially for our families and and provide for our families. But number two, it helps us. It literally is improves communities, improves our country, right? Mm -hmm. Improves our world uh, by doing what we do. And it doesn't feel like that in the day-to-day minutia when you're pulling a bra underwire out of the drain for the (laughs) hundredth time. Um, But that's literally, you know, what, what this industry should be. And in order to do that, we have got to be able to talk about issues. We have got to get rid of the gatekeeping. We have got to get rid of using each other. We have got to get rid of taking Mm -hmm. advantage of each other and we've got to start working together and we've got to force the changes that we need to see in this, in this industry. Right. And so whether that's saying, Hey, look at, there are new people coming into this industry who are sophisticated business owners and investors and they're investing into their laundromats and they're doing better financially and they're doing better for their communities. So get on board or you're going to get left behind. That is an attempt to help us all see this is where we're heading. So let's all go there together and succeed. Mm -hmm. And any association or any other organization that is holding that back, I'm just will not be a part of. And I, I, on one hand, I'm glad we're having this conversation and it's come up today. On the other hand, I have, I have, I I don't have any ill will towards the CLA. And again, I haven't written the CLA off forever. Um, but I think it's, for me, it's going to take a change of leadership. That's what it's going to come down to. And I don't mean to put people on the spot, but that's what it's going to come down to, uh, in order for me to, give the CLA a chance again. That's what it's going to come down to. And, and I'm, you know, the, the, the reason I'm glad we're having it is because this conversation needs to be had. I wish on the other hand that we're not having it obviously because I wish it wasn't the issue, but also because I don't have ill will towards the CLA. I, I literally feel nothing about the CLA. I think other than I think it's toxic for our industry. I think the CLA offers nothing else right now for our industry and any of the good that I've seen trying to be generated recently is being squashed by that same leadership. And I just, I, I won't, I, I nothing it. I, I feel nothing about the CLA right now. Uh, it, they're irrelevant to me personally. And they're in my eyes, they're irrelevant to the industry right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know you want to, I think that I, I gotta tell you, man, I think that's fair to say. And I, it breaks my heart. You feel nothing. It's, I feel the opposite. I feel pain. Uh, it, it breaks my heart because I do agree. And me and Carla, when we committed to doing this, you know, I want to, I want to draw attention to the fact that 
you are a big part of the inspiration for me and Carla, me, me first, and then Carla joining me with the Laundromat Millionaire platform, laundromatmillionaire.com, even the book, sharing my story, uh, the workshops we do, all the different things, the coaching even, the things that we do nowadays, you are a big part of the inspiration for that. Um, and, and, and you have done with your platform and your voice as it's grown, which I told you the other day on our q and I'm very proud of you for what you've built. Uh, it's not easy to do. And people don't realize how much hate and uh, pushback that we get as independent platforms, if that's what we are, right? And I just want to point out to the people that think that us inviting uncomfortable conversations is a problem and maybe we'll invite some vitriol. First of all, I'm not afraid of that, so bring it on. But I want to invite you to take a deep breath and look at Jordan's platform and look at our platform and the things we've accomplished I don't know your numbers, but we have well over 40,000 followers now, um, over 30,000 on YouTube alone. Um, our podcast gets anywhere from six to 8,000 views, which is not Joe Rogan numbers, but for a laundromat, a uh, guy that nobody knew who he was a couple of years ago. I want to point out to people that you're a part of that, like the collaboration that you and I do together are a part of us winning at Laundromat Millionaire. And I'd like to believe that we've tried to really promote you and the laundromat resource. And I don't want to suggest you wouldn't have been successful if we didn't exist or vice versa, because I do think we would have both been successful. But I think we, I, I see both of our platforms as bonfires that each other is throwing gas on. And that is collaboration, right? That's a good thing when we encourage people. I mean, you started out the podcast by promoting a quote unquote competitor's platform. By having me on the show, this is the fourth time I've been on your podcast. Not the first time, the fourth time. Um, and we've done, I don't know, 15, 20 Q&As together. And I share your content all the time on my platform. And I think our industry, and I know we talk mostly to independent owners, but anyone else that's listening, this is how our industry reaches a new level. I don't want to say a ceiling because I don't know that we have a ceiling, but new levels is by coming together. And I know that Jordan and I invite collaboration, but we will not be puppets. Let me be clear. My platform is my platform, and it's me and Carla's voice. And when Jordan lends his platform to me to share my voice, I'm appreciative of him, and I try to reciprocate that. And I do the same for him because I believe what he's doing is good. It's, it's literally, and I know I wear this out, but it's literally the definition of abundance mindset versus scarcity mindset is what's happening, is people are afraid of other people maybe having some level of being a gatekeeper that they had the keys to the kingdom to maybe at one point because no one else existed. And I guess what I want to leave this little topic with today, and then we can chat on other stuff, uh, what I want to leave us here today is if we all come together and we respect each other and we try to give, you know, there's a book out there that when people come to our workshops in Cincinnati, we, we include in their gift bag. And it's called The Go-Giver. And they have a whole series of books. And they're little like mini books, kind of like parables almost. Uh, go get that book, The Go-Giver. I can't think of the author's name off the top of my head. Berg, Bob, Bob Berg, and he has a co-author. Go get that because the premise of that, it's, it's, it's actually biblical, right? This comes from the Bible. Um, but the premise of that is if you just give and give and give, you will be rewarded in ways that you can't imagine. 
But if you sit back and try to hold other people back and put other people down and keep their thumbs on them because you think you have leverage, um, that's not going to work out too well for you. And I guess I just want to point out that I think Laundromat Resource and Laundromat Millionaire would have both been successful on our own, but I think we're more successful because of collaboration and because we've worked together. Uh, we don't agree on everything. We do agree on most things, <laughs> but we don't agree on everything. But I think the people that are maybe going to get really upset that we're having this conversation and speaking authentically and transparently, uh, you know, we're open to having conversations, but we're not puppets. Um, we we want to be a part of the solution. And, uh, you know, I'll speak for me. I'm open to that, but I'm not open to lip service and I'm not, a po not open any longer to people telling me what I want to hear to my face and then saying different things behind my back. I've heard these rumors for years. And I've always said, I hope they're not true, but I'll keep my eye to ear to the ground to see if they are. And then when I receive proof that these things are true and people that are supposed to be leaders in our industry are actively working to destroy Laundromat Millionaire platform and Laundromat Resource platform, I don't think you want that smoke, guys. I don't think you want that. That's not good for anybody. And I can tell you that I've never backed down to anything in my life and I'm not going to back down to either. To this either. Me and Carla, this is our life's mission. This is our life's work. And we're going to continue to advocate and we don't need anyone's permission to do it. That's that's really all I have, Jordan, for that topic. Yeah. And I'll, <sighs> I'll just end it with... A little tense. I well, apologize. <laughs> I feel very strongly about this and I know you do got too. strong at the end. I liked it. It felt, it felt really tough. I just... I, I want to say this last thing about this. And then, uh, I want to talk about some other things just briefly. Um, I, I want to say that the, the reason that I, when you were talking and it, and it prompted this thought in me, the reason that I shared it. And I think probably to the reason that you decided to share what you shared, even though, I mean, there's, there's fallout from that. There's going to be fallout, right. And repercussions for that. Um, but I, the reason that I brought it up at least, and I think probably for you also is because we want this industry to be good. We want it to be better. Uh, going back to the comparison, right? We want it to be better tomorrow than it is today. Mm -hmm. And, and not only that, we want uh, the whole, the whole reason both of our platforms exist is to help current owners thrive in their businesses you know, both for themselves and for the communities and for people who want to get into the business to be able to, to get in and thrive, right? Find, find the freedom they're looking for, achieve their goals, those kinds of things. We want to help, we want to help people do that. And so the reason that I waded into this, and I think probably a big part of the reason you did also is because we want to help everyone thrive in, mm -hmm. in this conversation needs to be had uh, because change is happening and it, and it doesn't matter whether the CLA likes it or not. It doesn't matter whether they try to white knuckle grip it. They can, they can try to hold on to the old way as, as long as they want and they're going to go down with the Titanic. Right. Uh, and, and we've seen that uh, happening uh, over, over the last bit. There's no organization in the history of the world that's been successful by holding on to the past. Yeah. And so, the, you know, the, the difficult conversations and there's 
implications to this conversation that probably we don't even fully understand. But uh, the the reason we weighed into it is because it's for you, it's for uh, our other owners, it's for people who are future owners. Um, it's it's for you, and that's the intention uh, behind it. So you know, and again, this was not a a, a scripted out thing, obviously. Uh, and so you know. I encourage you guys continue having the conversation. Yes. We also, I, I, I think we're both kind of humble enough to know that we don't have all the answers. We're not always right. I mean, Dave has basically said, I've been a proponent for this for 14 and a half years and I changed my mind. I got new information. And I changed my mind. We're not always right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and even if we are right, it doesn't always have to stay that way. Um, and that's our, that's our hope. Right. And that's our, our, intention is to is to help the CLA improve because we both we both want a strong association uh, for our industry we need that we deserve that um, and and that's our hope so keep the conversation rolling uh, I'm sure either one of us would be uh, glad to hear your guys' thoughts if you want to shoot us emails or whatever um, you can do that and, uh, and 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 you know have the conversations on the forums on the Facebook groups. Um, and, and share, share your thoughts. And if, if you think change needs to happen, just know this, we have got to force the change. Nobody's advocating for us. And that's a big part of my issue with the CLA is they should be advocating for us. Nobody is advocating for us. We have got to advocate for ourselves. That's where I'll leave it. I'll leave it with this. We are way more powerful together than we are individually. And we've never had the ability, because of technology, to band together um, for for the betterment of everyone, by the way. This includes the companies. Mm-hmm. The thriving industry, all these companies we're talking about, they're not the bad guys. Nope. Manufacturers, distributors, service providers, marketing, they're not the bad guys, right? Nope. They're just doing what's best for their business. And most, if not all of them genuinely want to serve us independent owners. I truly believe that. Most of them are my friends. Uh, I 100% believe that. Um, but there is a better way to do things, and I'm no longer going to be used, and I'm not going to be manipulated as a puppet. That's not going to happen. I'm going to continue to advocate. I believe we can all win together. Everyone watching this, go get the book, go give her. I think it'll change your life. Yeah, it's a, that's a great, a great book. Okay, enough of that. I just... As we close this thing out, I want to you. You're doing a ton of stuff right now. We uh, are that is helping the industry, right? And specifically to help the industry. So you've got your own. You've got your laundromats. You've got all that stuff rolling. But you're doing a lot of stuff through the Laundromat Millionaire platform and related kind of sister uh, companies, I guess uh, that you're doing. Can Can you talk about like what do you what do you got going on over there? What's happening? How can we get involved with you? Uh, Yeah, tell us a little bit about what you got going on. So, yeah, so the workshop is a two-day intensive workshop. So it's 8 a.m. To, t- to midnight the first day and 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. the second day. It includes all your meals. Uh, we spend every waking minute together, but we, we pull back the curtain and show you every aspect of our business. And it's all included in this handbook that we provide you if you come to the workshop. So we call this Wash, Dry, Fold, and Delivery Dynamics. But we also had a lot of requests for people to purchase the handbook separately that couldn't come to the workshop. And so we struggled with that for a long time and eventually decided we couldn't help enough people. There was too much demand for the workshop. We just do them a couple of them a year and we cap them at 20 people. 
And so we decided to sell the, the handbook separately. So you can purchase that on our website. It's a 140-page, uh, basically, business manual. It's everything about our business. Um, and, the, you know, the coaching, the workshops. Uh, the other thing I'll, I'll point out is we've, you mentioned the partnerships. We've, been, we've had a lot of people approach us, and I know you do too, about uh, reaching people on our platform. And we're not really interested in what we call paid sponsorships, where they just pay us to promote their product. Um, but what we've tried to do instead is kind of use that platform to bring in partners that are willing to bring what we call ongoing value to our, our audience. Um, and so we've negotiated a lot of discounts. Um, some of them are one-time discounts if you purchase a product of, from a company. Some of them are more uh, ongoing discounts if you continue to use a product or a service, uh, different things like that. Um, and that's a big part of what we're kind of doing at our, at our you know, platform Aside from the podcast and the, you know, we have a free Facebook group. You can go join that Laundromat Millionaire uh, Facebook group. There's, I don't know, over 6,000 people in there. And then we have a lot of free resources and downloadables, business plan templates, things like that, that we just give away totally for free. Um, and then, as you guys know, us, in conjunction with Jordan at Laundromat Resource, a couple years ago did our first Laundromat, pod, or, uh, Laundromat conference, um, and that was a absolute ball. And we're, we're having conversations and hoping to do another one of those in the next few years. And uh, it's a big undertaking, but we learned a lot, and we think we can deliver the value in the future. So we want to continue to do those and eventually, sometime in the future, do one of those every year is what we're kind of hoping. But right now we're, uh, we're catching our breath from a lot of other projects. Um, but I appreciate the opportunity to, to kind of let everybody know what's going on. Um, a couple more things before we go today. Um, it's not a secret that, uh, that Carla and I partnered with our business partner, Brett Lyon, to launch our own digital marketing company, Laundry Boost. Um, so we're, you know, we're building a team over there and um, doing some really cool integration things where we can do retargeting campaigns and things like that. We've got some new products and services that we're really trying to just bring value from a digital marketing perspective. Um, and then the last thing that's kind of a surprise I haven't really talked about with anyone yet is in 2024, uh, we've decided to launch a new workshop. And this is in addition to our wash, dry, fold, and pick up and delivery workshop. Um, and that's, that's our uh, newbie workshop. So this is going to be also a similar format of a two-day intensive, long two days workshop. We're going to pull back the uh, operations business, uh, operational framework of our business from a self-serve laundromat perspective and a drop-off laundry perspective. And it's going to be geared and designed towards, you know, a lot of a lot of good resources in the last few years have come out, Jordan, that help people get into the industry and help people get that first store and help people, um, you know, not overpay for the store and not get taken to the cleaners when buying equipment. And that's amazing. We all needed all that stuff. Quite frankly, we need more of it. And obviously, Jordan has a lot of great content at Laundromat Resource, too. But one of the kind of holes we see in the industry that not enough people are filling, and some people are, um, is once you get the store, like, how do we run the store? And this is really geared towards newbies. There's a lot, a lot of what we would, in the industry as veterans, would call pretty basic questions around how to run and function an unattended store, a partially attended store, a fully attended store, a store with drop-off laundry, maybe even a store with pickup and delivery, what we call a full-service laundry center all those different types of things. And so this is a new workshop and it's the same format, maximum of 20 people. We're gonna do uh, two of them in 2024. 
and then we'll see uh, how many four or five workshops probably in, in 2025 um, that we're going to do. And we realize we can't reach the whole industry this way, which is why we continue to produce content on our podcasts and uh, create manuals that we sell and things like that too. But we want to continue to produce a lot of free content and free resources. And then, of course, some of these things are more involved and more in-depth and take more resources. So we do have to charge for some of those. Um, but we will be making an announcement on our own platform. This is actually going to come out before we've even announced it on our own podcast. So you kind of heard it here first about our newbie workshop. Uh, but the first one's going to be in April. I don't have the date in front of me, but it's going to be in April of 2024. So if you're listening to this in December, January, um, it's going to be in about four months. And we're pretty excited about that because we think we can bring a lot of value to newbies that have just bought stores and closed on stores in the last couple years and are still kind of trying to get a grasp of the framework and, you know, things like video surveillance systems and even operating hours and holiday hours. And we're going to, like I said, pull back the curtain to every aspect of what we've done in the past and what we do in the future. Because a lot of people don't realize that the business model we have today is the polar opposite of what we started with. We started with unattended laundromats with no employees. Um, I literally did everything except for the machines washed the clothes and dried the clothes. And I did it before and after work. And we were very successful, very profitable doing that. And then when we evolved to more of a uh, partially attended model and then a fully attended model and then a wash, dry, fold, and now what we call a full service laundry center. And so we wanna show people the art of how to run their business. Once they've acquired it, you know, we always get that first store and Jordan, you always tell the story of the bucket of keys and you're like deer in the headlights. And next thing you know, you have gang members, you know, trying to trying to steal your turf and all this kind of stuff. And and I haven't been through all those things, but I've been through a lot of them. Um, and and it's, it's kind of crazy. And so this workshop is gonna be designed around helping you navigate that first few years of laundromat ownership to a point of where you're now ready to, if you choose to, to scale and to go to multi-stores. Because I see a lot of people get that first store and six months, a year later, they get that second, third, fourth store. And I did that too. And I wasn't ready back then. And I don't think most people will be ready to scale that quickly. So a big part of it is just preparing you for that next layer of laundromat ownership and allowing you to scale. So appreciate you giving me the opportunity um, on the platform. But those are kind of some of the some of the new fun things that we have going on. And uh, we're really hoping to do another conference in the next few years for, for everybody that keeps asking. <laughs> well, listen, if there is demand, if you're going to go to that newbie workshop, which you should, by the way, if that, if that's where you're at, uh, if there is demand, I will come out and do a one day intensive on Krav Maga to mm. uh, take care of those gang members. Uh, so you know, Luckily, we don't have too know. many of them in Amelia, but there's plenty of markets that we do. <laughs> I can bring some with me to, I've got, we've got a lot of them around here in SoCal. Uh, I can bring a few and uh, we can do some Krav Maga training with anybody in that workshop who's interested. Just let me know. If you didn't uh, know, Jordan is a ninja. That's what I call him. He's a ninja. I'd say like half ninja. Half ninja. Ninja 50%. with a bad back, maybe. Uh, no, dude, you're doing a lot of awesome stuff. I really appreciate you. Thanks for taking the time to come on, share your, yeah, your the update you. of what's going on with you, uh, with that new store, uh, just could not be happier for you that you're killing it over there. And, uh, you know, can't wait to see, I know I'm, I'm sure that's not it for you, uh, on, well, maybe on the laundry side, I don't know. Uh, but I'll be interested to see that side of the journey. And I know for a fact that's not it for you on the laundromat millionaire side of things. 
Uh, you got a lot of really great stuff going on already. So keep killing it over there. And Thanks, man, uh, man let's keep uh, let's keep the train rolling because I think you're doing a lot of good. And I remember having a conversation with you years ago now saying, hey, listen, I, your your voice is going to be the most influential voice in in the industry. And I think you're there and I, you know, I think you're doing well. I don't know. Carla's in there now, too. That's a little wild card. I didn't see coming. I'd follow uh, her for it. Follow me. <laughs> <laughs> she's a rock star. Let me tell you something. This industry well, underestimates uh, her because she's so humble. Um, I, I, I obviously am not humble. Everybody yeah. knows that about me. But she's very humble, and uh, people <laughs> underestimate her. But she's 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 a big part of what we do. She is not a compliment. She is a big, big force of nature. Um, so I appreciate that. Yeah, no, and that that is uh, that is true. She is uh, she's awesome uh, for sure, and knows her stuff really well, and is really good at what she does. So, uh, all that to say, man, you guys are killing it over there. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep growing. Keep pushing forward, and you know, keep moving that this industry forward. That's that's what we need. That's what we need. Uh, people doing. You're doing an awesome job at it. And again, appreciate. Uh, you spending time with me as always uh, feels like an man. honor and a privilege to hang out with you every time. And uh, you know, this time is no exception and a special, especially thank you for kind of wading into some, some murky waters with me today and, uh, and just sharing from your heart, man. And I know it's coming from a really good place and, uh, and that we both want what's best for this industry. And we both want what's best for uh, you know, for, owners and uh we'll do whatever we can you know with what we got to Mm -hmm. to do that and if sometimes that's wading into murky waters sometimes we'll wade into murky waters so well i know appreciate you man i appreciate you a lot and uh yeah i was gonna say i know we've talked about this before man but we're not doing this for no reason like we're doing this to make it make a difference to make an impact and uh you know we we can all win guys we can all win but as long as uh as long as us laundromat owners maybe don't have a voice that we should have, we're going to have to stick together. We're always going to have to stick together, but uh, we're capable of a lot of great things. And Jordan's a perfect example of that. He started this podcast totally on a whim. He's told me that himself, uh, mostly because he didn't know where to go for information and look at what he's built and how much value he's brought to other people. So same to you, man. I, I told you the other day, I mean it. My heart of hearts, man, proud of you for what you're doing. Sky's the limit long as God's calling you to, to keep doing this in your heart, just keep doing it. And anything me and Carla can do to help you, we are, we are happy to do. Um, we can all win. We can all win in this industry. And it starts with the laundromat owners and us serving our communities in an amazing way, charging prices that are fair, um, and reinvesting in our businesses. That's what's going to elevate the industry from the bottom up, from the ground up. And then, obviously, as we have thriving businesses, we're going to be able to support uh, the service providers and the manufacturers, and we're going to really be able to replace equipment sooner than we thought we could, which is good for manufacturing, right? And for distributors, you're going to sell more equipment more frequently because we're going to wear it out more often. And that's how we all win together. So I hope I hope nothing that I said in this today, while it became a little bit tense for a few minutes, I hope nothing I said today came across as anything but an abundance mindset because um, I want nothing but the best for everyone, including our trade organization, the CLA. But there are certain things that are not acceptable to me 
uh, never will be, and I'll never shy away from a tough conversation if it gets us to a better place. And I know you feel the same way, so I'm I'm grateful that the conversation happened, honestly. I don't regret it one bit. All right, man. Well, appreciate you and looking forward yep. to doing uh, doing more great things together in Absolutely. 2024. It's going to be Let's a lot of fun. It. I think it's going to be a great year. It's going to be yes. a good year for the industry overall, I think. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. You're the best. Appreciate you. Anytime. Right back at you. All right, guys. Hope you loved that episode with Dave, or maybe you hated it, and that's okay, too, because uh, I know we delved into – uh, you know, some pretty heavy topics today, uh, in that conversation. So, uh, you know, there it is. And you've got my perspective on things. You've got Dave's perspective on things, uh, or at least, uh, parts of it. And so listen, this is as true in this episode as is in every other episode, um, for yourself personally, for the new year, you will not achieve your new year goal or resolutions or whatever, whatever they are, laundromat related or not, unless you take action on them. Okay. So get out there today, go today and take some sort of action towards achieving your goal. If you're trying to buy your first laundromat, go take some action, go out there and try to hunt down some laundromat owners in their store and ask them if they want to sell, call some brokers, don't email them, call them or go to their offices, take some action. If you own laundromats now, uh, and you're trying to improve your laundromat or scale your business, take action on that today. <clears throat> that action is what's going to drive uh, that change that you need to achieve your goals. Um, but also stepping back for a second from the personal side of things, uh, us as an industry, uh, if we want change, we have got to take some action together to make that change and to drive that change. So you may agree with what we talked about today. Uh, you may disagree and that's okay, uh, too. And I love to have that conversation. Cause listen, I know I'm not always right. Dave knows he's not always right. And we know together that we're not always right. Um, but, uh, that conversation I think needs to continue to have and we need to take action if we as an industry feel like change needs to happen so uh yeah uh all right that's the episode kicking off the new year 2024 let's make it a great one this year and we will see you next week on the laundromat resource podcast peace